Welcome to the Art of Masculinity Podcast. I am your host, Johnny L. Sasser. As a former Special Operations U.S. Army Ranger out of 2nd Ranger Battalion and a former Protective Security Specialist who protected the U.S. Ambassador to Iraq, I spent 10 years in and out of the Middle East. My mission today is to help men everywhere find the courage to be confident in themselves and their masculinity, regardless of what society says or what preconceived notions are out there in the media. I'm here to shed a light on those tough, strong alpha males opening up not only to those they love, but to the world about who they really are and how they own these open and vulnerable parts of themselves. Today, my goal is to help be a light for men who are struggling in owning their masculinity and struggling to present it in a way that is authentic to them. I'm grateful for having you here and sharing your time with me. Let's dive into the episode and I'll see you around the corner. Hey everyone, today's guest is Quentin Q. Williams. He is a men's coach for Curtin Retired Athletes, bringing clarity, brotherhood, and accountability to men's deepest mission after sports. As the creator of the world-class method, Q is a leading authority on male athlete mental wellness. He supports highly motivated men through private coaching, speaking, and group courses and experiences. This jam sesh with Q was a great time. And for all you guys listening, you're going to gain a lot of nuggets out of this because what Q's addressing, especially from high octane environments with men, is the fact that how we can bring ourselves to a mindful state and grabbing our purpose after coming out of something that has really identified us as a human being for a period in our lives. There's so much uh, similarity between athletes, professional athletes, and military, and police force, and firefighters, and people who just come from these very bigger than one person type of job, a job where people are actually putting themselves potentially on the line, but also just resonating with something much bigger than themselves. So when we put ourselves in those positions, we tend to really connect with a different identity that doesn't necessarily serve us when we come back to the real world. And in this episode, we talk about that type of transition. We talk about how Q is helping men find their purpose again and find reintegration to the world as, uh, you know, for a lack of better term, normal human being, but really allowing people to get back into the everyday life and interacting with people on a level that they can actually connect with them, but also still value themselves and give that value of who they are in this world to themselves. So I hope you guys enjoy this episode and I'll see you guys around the corner. All right, everyone. Welcome back to the Art of Masculinity. Today's guest is Quentin Williams, goes by Q. And uh, I'm excited to jump in with you, brother. The people heard your your intro already, but just for anybody that fast forwarded or missed it, he is a men's coach for current and retired athletes, bringing clarity, brotherhood, and accountability to men's deepest mission after sport. I am a huge fan, not only of this mission, brother, 
because I, you and I just kind of briefly mentioned it. There's such a correlation between the, I think the military, especially elite levels of military and elite athletes. I think there's so much that is congruent with them when they transition out. This is going to be a great, great podcast, man. And, uh, you are also the creator of the world-class method, which is, and you are leading authority on male athlete mental wellness, which is yes. Love that brother. And you support highly <laughs> motivated men through private coaching, speaking, and group courses and experiences. I am honored to have you on, brother. So pumped to be here, Johnny, man. It's great to meet you finally and uh, get a chance to really chop it up, man. Thank you. Yeah. So I want to uh, I want to ask what even, like, how did you, were you a professional? How did it start that you came into this world of just like integrating with professional and former professional athletes? Yeah, well, I think what's interesting is you and I are connected through Anthony Trucks, who is a former NFLer, um, has an awesome story of turning his life around and really is just a, such a leader in the men's um, emotional intelligence space. Well, just as a man, right? Um, yeah. But that's how we're connected. And yes, I am connected to sports. So I'm, um, I, uh, I played football and baseball from a young age of seven until, you know, all through college, I played football and baseball. I played two sports in Northwestern, um, in the big 10. So I was a division one dual sport athlete and never chalked myself to up to be a jock, like just a jock. I always wanted to develop myself outside of sport and really develop as a man. And I really saw sports as like a, a training ground for that. Like the, you know, the AFC championship, NFC championship was this past weekend. I didn't watch but 10 minutes of each game, you know, like mm -hmm. I'm not a sports fan. I mean, I love watching guys do incredible feats, but I'm way more passionate about the, the guys behind the shield, you know, and like who they are, like what they're passionate about. And I stumbled into this. I never thought I'd be working in sport, you know, um, I actually got a master's degree in sports management my senior year uh, in college. Um, we won the Gator Bowl that year, but I also learned um, at that time in my master's program about the concussion problem and the mental health crisis that was going on with football players, soccer players, all the likes. Um, and as I d dug in more, I learned about how this impacts our military, how this impacts vets. Um, and really, I started to understand that there was more than just this TBI problem, there was a PTSD problem, there was and that was not just in the military community, but also um, it overlapped with, you know, the football community and the sports community. And I, I when I really started to look at people's stories, like say, Aaron Hernandez, if you've watched his documentary, yeah. he's a great example. I mean, yeah. unfortunate example, but really interesting example of how, you know, you can coin his whole situation as like, CTE, you know, criminal, uh, murderer, um, you know, reactionary, moody, all these different things, right? Violent, um, ended up killing himself in, in jail. But you could also look a little bit deeper. And the documentary did a really good job of that, of looking at sort of what he was living through as a kid. Um, he was bisexual and was closeted in that way throughout all of his life. Um, experienced a lot of trauma growing up, didn't have a father that was around. And you know, I saw that, you know, Aaron wasn't alone in that. There were a lot of people that had that same ex similar experiences. And as I started putting pieces together, I realized like, if I want to help this community, which I'm a part of, you know, I have my bell rung plenty of times. If I want to help this community, 
I'm not just going to focus on like, what can you do to like better your brain long-term and like eat the right things and have the right mindset and lifestyle. But like, how are you healing as a man? How are you approaching your day-to-day life as a man? And are you leading from a place where you're taking what you learned in sport and applying it to your life? Or do you feel like you're a washed up football player, you know, Mm -hmm. or a washed up vet, right? Um, Is the best yet to come or is the best days behind you? And, um, you know, yeah, I had my own transformation through that too. You know, I mean, in the midst of trying to start a business, I was, you know, I had post-concussion syndrome myself. So I was very confused about this CTE thing or like, do I just have, you know, what normal people have like stress and anxiety in normal life? Is this just how life is? Super confusing time in my life, but I, I was able to really push through and break through for myself through this mindset work, through this really understanding my men's emotional awareness and emotional intelligence. So that's what I teach. Um, and that's what I, I lead with and try to embody as best I can. Yeah, I love that, brother. And I can't wait to dive into that on this episode. So re- thank you for opening the door to all of that and also giving us like where you started in that journey to even become, you know, influencing these people that are are at these such high levels of mental stress in so many different ways. And then transitioning or uh, figuring out who they are coupled with that elite mindset. So that's going to be really cool. Um, I can't let you escape the manly round. So you do have to go through that. It's, it's a obligation that all, (laughs) all guests have to go into. So I want to, I want to kick that off. (laughs) Are you ready for it, brother? Yeah, I almost snuck right by that. That's great. I'm into it. Let's go. Oh, it's great, man. I love it, man. I, I, I love jumping into the conversation, but I also love letting the community get in to know the guests a little bit on a different level than probably what yeah. is normal for the guests. So your first question, yeah, what is your spirit animal and why? Mm. I, it's funny. I was just list, listening to your Adam Roa um, episode and yeah. he answered with two. So I'm going to use two too. Um, number one is the wolf, which was actually one of his. Um, and that's because like that, that animal has been with me since I was a kid. I had this, like, I had this stuffed animal as a kid and I just loved, like, I would love painting wolves. I loved the spirit of the wolf. Like, I, I don't know what it was about it. Um, but that's always been my favorite animal. Um, but most recently I would say more spiritually, I'm really connected to the lion. Mm. And the reason being is over the last several years, I've gotten like some comments from people like I've been called like Q bear, you know, or like uh, I would be called like uh, people would say, like, I give off this kind of like golden retriever energy, like this happy, playful, innocent sort of energy. And it never really resonated with me. I was like, I don't really want to be a a golden retriever. I'd rather be like, I don't know, a Doberman or something, you know, (laughs) like Mm -hmm. something a little bit more. like demonstrative and it's interesting. I just had a, I did a plant medicine journey, um, like about a month ago and like nothing crazy, but I, I, I was a, it was the first time I've ever done it. And I was really brought to awareness of the power of the lion and the, the lion feels like a really strong evolution from like that golden retriever sort of mentality, like playful, mm-hmm. joyful, innocent, Um, the lion still has that, you know, can be really playful and energetic, 
but can also just like lay there and growl whenever it needs to. And people just like shut the hell up, you know, mm -hmm. it's like get away from me kind of energy. Um, and there's this king of the jungle mentality too. Mm. So yeah, it was, it was, it was pretty cool. I really reconnected with that part of myself, that lion, that fierce, loud, um, you know, I don't know, like a, a real demonstrative energy. So I'm really, really pumped about that. And it's been, it's been showing up in my life. So I, I'd say Beautiful. the lion is my primary animal. Yeah, yeah, that's beautiful, man. It's it's all about what resonates with us. And then when we demonstrate kind of those qualities, you know, we, we're we're intrinsically tied into the animal kingdom. And without that, it's, you know, evolutionarily, we, we are really genetically tied to that. And so when we find something that we resonate with for the values that they present in the wild, it's really cool. But the other thing, the one thing I want to note, and I don't know why we have this and I can't, you know, I've watched Nat Geo so much. And we always say the lion is the king of the jungle. It's like an idiom that we say, but there's no lions in the jungle. <laughs> right. It's like, it's like a lion, the king of the savannas, <laughs> like mo the more appropriate terms. I have no clue where that came from. It's so funny. I know. I think it's like the lion king, maybe. I, I don't know where that came from. Cause even the lion king, like that's on the savannah in Africa. Right. right? Or um, yeah, or, it's so know, funny. I, and as I said that I, I questioned it. I was like, wait, that's not the king of the jungle. Like it's not your fault. It's it's the, what we all say. The tiger. <laughs> yeah. Who who is the king of the jungle? Like the hippo? Uh, it depends, man. Like king know. of the I mean the 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 king of the jungle when we're looking at cats, you're either going for a tiger like in India or you're going for like a jaguar, right? In Central and South America because the jaguars are pound for pound, you know, or, well they're panthers, right? Okay, guys, I fucking get it. They're panthers, but ja they're black jaguars is what a panther really is. And pound for pound, jaguars are actually like the strongest cat out there. They can carry, um, they can carry like two times their body weight up into a tree or some shit. It's crazy. Yo. So, so you're looking really? at like, yeah, you're looking at how you're going to perceive the king of the jungles kind of in a different way. It's just definitely not the lion because it doesn't live there. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> it's it's so funny. I'm gonna have to look up why we went that route as a society of like King of the Jungle, yeah. where that came from. Maybe it was Jungle Book, right? It wasn't there the the king, isn't the or, or no, that wasn't Jungle Book. Ah, fuck it. I'll have to look it up. I, the, the, the the thought like uh, George of the Jungle came into my mind too. I'm like, that yeah. has nothing to do with this conversation. <laughs> no, no. It's so funny, man. Oh, sorry for all the guests listening. Sorry, we went on a tangent on that one. But it's really funny when you said it. <laughs> when you said it, I've always wondered about it, but I've never like voiced like why we think like, that is the that was the right saying for that animal yeah. when it just doesn't even live I, there i agree man i i, I think it, it resonates for me right now too because like i don't i don't need to be the the king of the yeah. jungle you know i just i just need to be the king of my domain you know and like do my part i think i think i'm also really opening up to um you know the the, the team mentality especially what our world needs right now is really coming together um but I can like my sports background, I was so focused on like the team, team, team and doing what's best for the team. In many ways, I kind of forfeited my own identity, right? And a lot of yeah. athletes do that. And then after sport, I've been so focused on like me, 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 who am I, who am I? What's my identity? Where am I going? What do I wanna do? And now I'm realizing that it can't just be about me and it can't just be about the team either, right? Mm. 
I really just want to be the king of my domain and bring a team along with me to push a mission forward, you know? Mm. Yeah. I don't know if you can resonate to it with that. Absolutely, yeah. man. That's yeah. Well, I mean, the king of your domain, it follows the, the king warrior magician lover, right? Like who's sitting on the throne at the time mm -hmm. when you need them. And when you have that king, the king is sovereign in himself and in his domain, but he's also multiple different roles within that domain. He's not always the king. It depends on who's sitting on that mm -hmm. throne at the time as to what's needed for the scenario. So there's different applicabilities to the roles in which we carry within our domain, but that king is he's there and he's created through the, the grouping of different types of personalities within us. And then that's inclusive of how he treats his domain and the people within it. So absolutely. That resonates, bro. I love that. Right. So we'll go, mm -hmm. we'll go into like your that, next yeah. question. Uh, what song? Oh yeah, here we go. Here we go. <laughs> what song, whenever you hear it, do you absolutely have to start singing along with no matter where you are? Uh, recently there's this new, um, there's this new song by spoon, um, love spoon. There's this new song called, um, wild. Um, I don't know something about that song. It's, it's like, it's like, a am training for a half marathon right now. So it's a really good run song. It's a really good, like kind of upbeat inspiring. It's got the piano in the background. Um, but something that all the guests will, will know, um, is ever since I was like, um, probably like two or three years old, I would listen to Queen's greatest hits. Like my mom had that CD. So I'd put it in like the, the like six disc CD player, you know, thing that would pop out. You like put it, put six discs in there and like, yeah, so like yeah. select Queen. And the song that would come on first was, or that I would always go to was another one bite to dust. Yep. Something about that song, like just got me going. Cause there's like that build up. It's like, are you hanging on the edge of your seat? Are you ready yeah. for this? And like, so I don't know, good. man, it just hits something uh, about that. Yeah. I'm getting goosebumps when you talk about it. I love that song. It's <laughs> such a good song. Well, I would put those headphones on, you know, like how, how the head, like back in the day had headphones, had those long curly cords yeah. that you could like pull and stretch kind of like a phone cord. And so I'd plug that in and I'd be listening to it, you know, on the headphones and I would be in my socks, like sliding along on the, on the wood floors. And so like yeah. I was dancing to it just at the age of like two or three. It was so cool. Yeah. Jerry Maguire in it, dude. I love that. <laughs> exactly, uh, man. Yeah. Such a good song. All right. If you were a DJ, what would your DJ name be? Oh man. That's a good one. Um, I, that's hard, man. DJ What's King yours? of the Savannah. <laughs> <laughs> that's all right. We can circle back to it. Uh, yeah, maybe we'll circle back to that one. Maybe it would have yeah. something to do with a lion. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> all right. What is something that no matter who does it, even trucks, if trucks did this, no matter whoever does this mm -hmm. in the world, what's an action that everybody just looks ridiculous doing? Oh, I have this favorite thing. Um, it's called the pants dance. I'm kind uh -huh. of like notorious for it in a few of my circles. If you know me well, if you ask me to do the pants dance, I will get up in front of everybody at whatever party or gathering or whatever. I did this for a talent show once. 
you try you you take you pull your pants down you're wearing underwear still you pull your pants down to your ankles and try to get your pants up to your waist without your hands yeah so <laughs> so it, it involves like a bunch of gyrating of the hips a lot of movement like you have to have really open hips to do this but google it youtube it there people do the pants dance and I learned about this in college and I became kind of like notorious for being able to being able to do it because I have really oh, open wow. hips and it looks ridiculous. It doesn't matter how you do it. Like you just look like a fool. I would love to see trucks do that. <laughs> he did some, uh, he's got a really funny ass video back when he did, he had his gym. He did this like jazzercise thing at the gym and it was, um, it was like a, it was a parody on this woman's video who she would post these things on YouTube. It was hilarious, like really, really just bad funny. And it was just epic because <laughs> is so he's so animated. So it's like really funny. But it was such a good video. Yeah. But he would probably look everybody would look ridiculous. And I can't imagine somebody looking good doing that. Don't care who you are. <laughs> that was good. All right. You're. Your last one, if you could pull a prank on any well-known or celebrity person, uh, dead or alive, you had the ability to go back into time and not be noticed, what would be, or who would you pull a prank on? Wow. A celebrity? Somebody that we all would probably know. It doesn't have to necessarily be a celebrity, but like if you picked Einstein, everybody knows who Einstein is. I don't know. I don't know why, like, for some reason, President George Bush comes to mind because yeah. like watch, watching old videos of George Bush, like I had no idea he was such a funny guy. You know, he would just get on stage and like he would talk and it just like kind of charismatic, kind of not, you know, in his speeches. But then I, I see old videos of him like joking around on these flights and he's wearing like his Texas cut, you know, white shirt underneath his is like really professional, you know, um, suits. And he's just got this flair to him. And the way he jokes around, like he would just be so fun to pull a prank on because yeah. he would just, I don't know, he would just eat it up. So yeah. Oh yeah. George W. Bush, Jr. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's funny. <laughs> I, I like, uh, I like, I like, um, George Bush. That would be a good one. He also like said such ridiculous shit sometimes that was really funny. Yeah. And, um, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know that he noticed how funny it was. So it was, he, no. he definitely could play a prank on him and I think it would be pretty good. Plus I think he would handle it very well. So that's always good too. Cause it's like, I think he would too. When it comes to pranks, it's one of two things. It's either you're going to go after somebody you think would do really well handling it and it'll be really funny, or you're going to go after somebody who would do really poorly handling it because it'll be even more hilarious, right. like somebody who takes life exactly. too seriously. That's what I find when yes. I ask that question to people. So uh, it's good. Yeah. I love it, brother. <laughs> well, awesome, man. Made it through the manly round. I enjoyed it. I think you had some great answers there. So let's... uh. Let's pitch back into to what we were diving into on how you're supporting, you know, athletes these days, but also the mental aspect of this stuff. I think that there's a huge conversation here where, you know, the mental challenges of finding who these people are outside of the sport. What is it that you're finding when you're working with professional athletes? What is it that you're finding that becomes... I don't know if a commonality or maybe, maybe a highlighted struggle that you're identifying yeah. with most of these people. 
there's there's quite a few of them the one that comes to mind right now johnny is like this idea of um having to work to feel worthy Mm. having to produce results um to feel worthy to feel like they can relax to feel like they can you know uh, a lot of guys are still craving that kind of spent feeling you know like one of the best feelings is like after like a long day or like a long workout or I don't know, back when we had like two days playing football, like, you know, and then you have like a whole week off, you knew that that whole week off was just going to be so great. And so like you go to bed and you rest your head knowing that you gave every ounce of yourself. Mm-hmm. There's nothing better than that feeling, you know, and I can test, I can attest to a lot of athletes experience. Like they don't get that feeling very often after sport. They don't get that, man, I, I feel totally spent, emptied. Like I gave it my all and I gave it towards something I'm really passionate about. And so um, I think a lot of athletes sort of chase that by constantly being in motion and doing and doing and being busy and being, you know, in that sort of rat race to try and culminate with feeling some sort of like fulfillment after the end of the day, mm-hmm. you know? And so we can kind of get caught up in the doing and forget the direction we're headed and whether that work is meaningful to us and whether it really aligns with our bigger vision, you know? So a lot of guys just leave sport and they'll just go pick up a sales job or they'll go pick up an insurance job, you know, because those are two jobs that most athletes have the personality for competitive aspects. Right. But, um, that's not every athlete, you know, and then a few years in, you often find, man, like I'm feeling stressed and feeling burnt out and stress and burnout really comes from a lack of alignment. Mm -hmm. You know, there's good stress and bad stress. So, um, to put it simply, I think the biggest thing is really, guys chasing that spent feeling because when you're spent after a day you feel that sense of worth you feel that sense of like wow now i can rest i did a good job today Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. that is i mean there's that level of accomplishment when you have something that you've put and dedicated your life into but also dedicated at such a high level that like you know the average person can't compete at that level so even when you're training half-assed you know your accomplishment is higher than the the dude that was down the street not not a professional athlete right like you there's that that's the way that i my mind works especially coming from you know special operations it's what i think about and so yeah there's that it's hard to find that and so leading into that part of what you do is you help these men find their kind of their for a lack of better term their their i guess really hidden mission or deepest purest like purpose that that actually is who they are how do this is i'm incredibly intrigued by this because how do you help these guys find that after this like longevity of programming to be an athlete like what are how do you help them really uncover this yeah that that's a magic question right you know um and everyone's different when it comes to this but what i've noticed to be true and this is how i built my methodology that doesn't just support with finding your purpose It, it helps with a lot of different things but um primarily if i'm looking to help someone cultivate their purpose um 
I think um, number one is emotional awareness. And I use our five main emotions as kind of like the, sim the simple version of this. Are you able to identify with the five main emotions well? You know, can you can you speak to what you're um, joyful about, what you are angry about, what you're sad about, what you're what you're shameful about, and then what you're fearful of, right? <laughs> so there's five, okay? And so those are five core emotions. Most emotional experiences fall into one of those buckets. And if you have that emotional awareness, if you can actually dive into all those parts of yourself, I truly believe that you can start to cultivate a deeper sense of your compass. You know, by accessing the deeper parts of yourself, like your fears, like your sadness, like your anger, you will start to uncover some of the deeper parts of yourself that maybe have been hurt in the past, things you've been impacted by, things that you are passionate about solving or bringing more out into the world, right? And the thing is, a lot of men, especially athletes, we cut off that part of ourselves mm -hmm. in lieu of, you know, team performance. We just cut off the, our access to pain. You know, we, we take pain pills, ibuprofen, Toradol, or we mask the emotional pain and we just focus on the next play, right? And so a lot goes unaddressed. And a lot of our emotional experience gets really suppressed through that experience, which I think is productive in the right context, you know? Mm -hmm. However, in real life, if we're not drafted to the, you know, the Colts, we don't know what team we're cheering for, you know? Mm -hmm. Or what team we're playing for, what our mission is, you know? So if you're, if you're not drafted to a team, if you're not chosen to put, be put somewhere, you got to access your inner compass and you got to figure out what you're playing sport for, what you're playing life for, you know, whose team you're on in life, in other words. And I hope I'm not being too meta here, but I, I mean, like, like, what is your compass? What's your North Star? Where, what's your purpose? Um, a lot of athletes are, are handed that. We're given that based on, you know, what team we're chosen by or drafted into or what school we go to. Um, but in real life, we have to tap into our emotions to know what we're passionate about. And so I really feel like being able to access all five areas, those five core emotions, joy, shame, anger, sadness, fear. Um, you can start to uncover some of your deeper awarenesses, right? And from there, I'll actually ask a great question. I ask most guys this, you know, once you've kind of tapped into that part of yourself and we've kind of stirred things up, um, if you could give a TED talk on one thing, what would you give a TED talk on? Mm. And usually that stirs up something that they're really passionate about. They really want the world to know, mm. you know, they really want to spread. And I think that can be a really great segue into okay, let's figure out a way to put that in action. You know, maybe it's not a Ted talk. Maybe it's a podcast. Maybe it's a business. Maybe it's going to work for this business. that's already doing a great job, right? Yeah. Let's find how yeah. you fit in, you know, and you can push, push that agenda forward. Right. I so, love that. For, yeah. Yeah. That, that, uh, Ted talk question 
is cool because it's not, it has nothing to do with money. A TED talk is just what would you put out into the world that you feel like you would have a passion and have a good base of knowledge around if you were passionate about something or purposeful about something and how would you deliver it? I love that question. That's really good. So one of the things I also liked about what you said, and I'd love for you to open up about, because I think men in general have a hard time. We've talked about this on this episode or on this podcast about emotions, but you know, one of the things you're talking about is hitting these five emotions, but you're hitting these five emotions with very alpha, high level elite men in this world. So the question to you is what can we give guys in the world today, every guy out there that helps them to really unlock, not only accepting, but acknowledging those emotions and then having the conversations around them. Cause I think that's the, a barrier we all can relate to. Oh man. I mean, this is one of the toughest things because a lot of men don't have like, like the first thing I want to say is like, go talk to a brother of yours, you know, a friend of yours and like slow down. Um, So there's this formula that I use that was coined by Owen Marcus. Um, He's like, he's he's basically a guru on like men's emotional awareness. Uh, He wrote the book, um, uh, grow up um, about men's emotional awareness and, and emotional intelligence. And he he has this formula that I leverage called the rock formula. And it involves um, relaxing. That's what R stands for. So slowing down, relaxing. So bringing yourself into conscious awareness, taking some deep breaths, maybe meditating, bringing your attention to your body, all those you know great things we do, right? To slow down because so many guys are going a million miles per hour. So we slow down. Um, second step is O, that is open up. And that doesn't mean, that means open up to my experience, open up to my emotional experience. Again, those five main emotions, figure out what I'm experiencing. Maybe I'm experiencing one, two, maybe all five, because we can experience emotions, you know, interchangeably and emotions are fleeting. They move in and out of our system. We could be experiencing them all. Um, but naming them, you know, identifying them and then um, noticing the sensation in your body that's associated with that feeling. Mm-hmm. There's an awesome uh, share through Andrew Huberman recently um, that I've always been a, a big fan of is this diagram of the human emotion, all the human emotions and how um, they're related to heat and cold in the body. Um, so depression leads to like coldness in like the legs and lower extremities. Um, love and happiness leads to warmth in the heart and the torso. Um, anger has a lot of heat in the fists, in the face. Mm. Um, like th- this is all measured um, at the uh, university, I think Caltech U. Um, they researched this and they have a diagram of this. And so wow. it's important to notice this is all information for us, right? Um, everyone expresses emotion differently, but most of us feel it the same way. Mm-hmm. So um, if you can connect your emotions like that you're speaking with your bodily sensations, that's a great tool for yourself. Mm-hmm. And then so the third step is if you want to take this a step further, I think true leadership is really sharing vulnerably. And true leadership is sharing vulnerably, not with like an expectation in mind. However, you do tend to have deeper relationships and you do tend to have better outcomes when you are sharing yourself authentically. So if one of those emotions is uncomfortable to share, like sadness, 
or a little bit of shame about like, oh, I kind of messed up, you know, I didn't do the job the way I thought I should. Um, if you're able to share that authentically, I think that's where real leadership comes. Mm. Um, if you can share that by connecting, that's the last step. R was relax, O is open up, C stands for connect. Connect with another man, connect with other people and share your experience, your emotional experience. That's where um, emotional awareness jumps, like takes a, a leapfrog into emotional um, agility, emotional intelligence. And we, that's where like our real superpowers start to come online. Mm, yeah, that, and I, it's a recipe for getting guys to kind of tap into their own body. Like, like you said, you put it perfectly. That's, it's a system. It's a, it's a, a highly, highly intelligent computer system designed and evolved over thousands of years that we neglect. And it gives us a lot of the answers that we're looking for. And for guys to understand that it's such a powerful tool to tap into, to believe and to trust can allow them to expose themselves. So I love that you said connect. And then you also mentioned how that's where good leadership comes in. So I'm going to play devil's advocate here. And, and just, I know my old self would be like, oh, but if you're a vulnerable leader, then people aren't going to look at you as a mentor or people won't look at you as um, somebody who can guide them because they've seen your weaknesses. What's a response you have to guys that are thinking that right now? Um, I mean, that, that was me too for, for quite a while. Um, however, I don't think I fully embodied that as, as an athlete, as a leader. And I was a leader. Like I was, you know, I was a leader throughout, throughout high school, throughout college. I was on our leadership council every year. Um, top like 2% of the guys was voted on by my peers as a leader. And what guys would always say about me was that I was, I led from authenticity mm. and I didn't really know what that meant at the time, but I think it, I think it meant like, I wasn't trying to bullshit anybody. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think people can tell when you're, when you're bullshitting, um, you can tell when a coach is bullshitting you too. Like they're just saying something because someone's making them say it, you know, like someone higher up, maybe the owner of the GM or the AD, um, or it's like something, or it's like something that's actually authentic to them, you know, and you lose trust when you're not authentic. That's mm -hmm. the truth. Like if, if there's not, um, if people can smell bullshit, you lose trust. And so I've always been an open book, completely open book. Um, and if I was leading a team today, you know, as I build my business, I'll, I'll have a team very shortly, right? As I'm leading, I think that's a huge superpower is to lead from your heart and like to actually share, like um, in all of my group sessions, we do a quick check-in. We, we do, um, and in my, in my team meetings in the future, we'll do that too. We'll do a check-in. In the beginning of the call, we will state an emotion that we're experiencing or two. We'll state a physical sensation we're experiencing. We'll say, I'm here and I'm in, right? I'm choosing to be here. And mm -hmm. so I, I think that, um, yeah, unfortunately, the, oh, I don't want to show my vulnerabilities for fear of what? You know, like, I don't really, I don't really get it, to be honest, like, and mind you, I wasn't a warrior, right? Um, I think that there's strategically things that happen in war and in certain 
situations, right? Where if you show your vulnerabilities, your weaknesses, they will be attacked, you know? Mm-hmm. However, emotional vulnerabilities, I think we all have them. And I think to, to pretend we don't have them is a weakness. Mm-hmm. To pretend, the, in, and I would say the same thing in war, right? Same thing in, in battle or combat or, or in a fight. Um, if you're pretending that you don't have that, I think you're limiting yourself because you're not even realizing that you can, that you have that and therefore you can actually do something about it. Mm-hmm. Take care of it, you know? So yeah, I, I think that the number one thing is really trust. And then also being able to, if you're speaking from authenticity and you're being authentic and you're sharing your heart and what's really true for you, um, it allows people to feel like you're not, um, you know, you're not perfect and you're human and it actually empowers them. It empowers your team to realize, oh, wow, even he has those thoughts. You know, that's that's really cool. You know, yeah. um, that means maybe I can share a little bit more of myself and I can let some of these things off my off my back, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's then that's great. And I think the p- other piece to that is the fact that the more that you acknowledge your own emotions and you open them up to other people, the more you can see in other people, which creates emotional IQ. Um, or EQ, if you will. So, so when you're doing that, you're able to acknowledge, oh shit, like Q's feeling this way. I can sense this in him because his demeanor or the way that he's speaking is similar to the way that I would speak and the way that I would act if I were feeling this X emotion, right? Mm-hmm. So you're able to tap into uh, being yeah. more, more EQ than you would have you had you not tapped into it. But I love that explanation because it isn't a weakness. And I think that's one of the disclaimers that has to be out there. And it's one of the, the things that we have to break as men is that it's, it, it's not a weakness to have um, emotions come out. It's not a weakness to express vulnerability. And like you said, you put it perfectly. It's trusting the other people as well, because when you trust them with that level of in-depth vulnerability, in return, they trust you to actually lead them. So that was a really, mm-hmm. really, that's what I took from that. And I think that a lot of guys can see, get a different perception when they think of it that way. So the other yeah. thing that um, I want to hop into with you is this, this uh, I guess the conversation amount uh, around mental wellness from existing you know, high-end athletes to retired to military to all this stuff. You talked about this. Um, having that mental wellness, what is what does that look like for people to have that? They're like, you, I think some men can't grasp the concept of what mental wellness be. They're like, oh yeah, I'm I'm happy, I'm I'm fine. Like I I can go throughout my day and I'm not depressed, so I'm well, right? But what are we talking about for mental wellness? What is it? What's the conversation you're having for mental wellness? Uh, that's a great question. I want to want to break that into two. Actually, I, something you said I really want to touch on. Um, so many guys will say like I'm good or I'm fine. You know, like no complaints, staying mm-hmm. busy. You know, <laughs> yeah. right? Like, how many guys say that? You know, I'm, can't complain, right? You know, uh, staying busy, <laughs> like. Um, I think that, you know, some guys have sort of numbed themselves out of emotions, including the positive ones. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, if we aren't accessing the deeper parts of ourselves, we aren't operating, we aren't even accessing the higher parts of ourselves. 
Mm-hmm. So you can't pick and choose what emotions you feel. You can only pick and choose what thoughts you think, mm. you know? And so to get real with yourself first is the real step, is the first step. Um, so to get real with yourself with where you're at, knowing where you're at, because you can't figure out how to get somewhere on a map unless you know where you're at first, where you are, right? So all those maps at, at malls and amusement parks have like, you are here, you know? So to know where you're at, you got to know what you're experiencing, what, what your emotional experience is. So um, by, by opening up yourself emotionally, you're actually accessing all the highs. You're actually accessing more of the joy, more of the, of the richness of life. And by, at the converse, you're also experiencing the grief and the loss and the fear and the sadness that comes with that. You know, I think duality is one of the most beautiful concepts is, you know, um, today is actually the anniversary of my mom's death. So she passed mm. away when I was 15. Sorry and that, one of my favorite things about my mom's passing in, in this day, actually, is that a lot of people would rather just not talk about it. You know, there's some people in my family just would rather just brush over it. Like, you know, cue why are you texting me? You know, like, whatever. You're like, you know, so I just kind of have my own experience. And I think what's beautiful about this is I like to remember my mom. Because when I remember the goodness and the sadness, I realize that those two can't live on their own. You know, you can't just have the goodness of, of that person, right? You all, in order to experience all the goodness, I also have to experience the sadness. Mm. So in other words, the reason why I'm grieving, you know, is because I love that person so much. Isn't that an interesting like duality? Like the reason why I'm grieving is not just because sad things happened. It's actually because they meant so much to me because I actually gave my heart to them, you know? So I think, you know, we're going to experience those highs and lows when we do fully open ourselves up. And I think that's, that's where true richness comes from. I don't think we're meant to live neutral lives. You know, I don't really think that's the point. I think in certain situations, you kind of got to stay neutral. Russell Wilson uses that that motto, like gotta stay neutral, gotta stay neutral. His mental performance coach who just passed away this past year. Um, um what's his name? Um it's gonna kill me. Um he's he's amazing. Uh, Trevor Moad just passed away. He has he had a saying, stay neutral, stay neutral, stay neutral. Um but I I really think that like in most scenarios in life, we do want to experience the highs and the lows. We want to experience the 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 waves, right? Um, and so, sorry, I broke up your question for, for that reason. Your, the, the heart of your question was what, can you remind me? Yeah, just, uh, uh, essentially how can, what, what are we explaining as mental well? Like, what are we drawing uh, yeah, a picture yeah. of for mental wellness? Cause guys, instead of being fine, okay, what's mental wellness really look like when we're talking about it and not being like esoteric, yeah. but being tangible. Yeah, perfect, perfect. So the, 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 the short answer I'll give is emotional agility. It's actually having tools in your arsenal to move between emotions, to actually choose your thoughts, choose your emotions, choose your state. Um, I think that's really the key. So having tools to get, you, to get you present, I think that leads to emotional wellness. And the, the goal of emotional wellness, I think, is is to be able to regulate yourself, to self-regulate, 
and surround yourself with people that can support you with that regulation, not just do it on your own. So mm -hmm. it's, there's so many variables, right, to mental wellness. But I, I think the core components of it are community, tools, emotional awareness, emotional experience. Um, and I think that, you know, unfortunately, the, the opposite of that, I guess, would be bottling up your emotions and having them explode or be suppressed or numbed out by different, you know, unhelpful techniques, mm -hmm. destructive techniques, right? Mm -hmm. Like, like drugs or like addictions or porn, right? Like, like list off the names, right? Um, the, there are so many ways that we will numb ourselves out of an emotional life, you know? So I, I believe that emotional wellness is actually allowing those thoughts and emotions in and then having the tools to regulate them, whether that's be med a meditation practice, a breathwork practice, journaling, you know, um, people in your community to talk to, to share your, your whole self with, you know, it's, it's a lot of different things. What are, what are like, let's give guys two tools that you would give to any beginner. What are two tools you can give guys out there to really start in honing in on, on their own mental wellness that you, maybe you used when you started down this path, or maybe you use with some of your um, clients when they're just starting to work with you and they have no experience with any of these deeper methods what are two basic tools we can toss out to the community? Mm. We're talking to guys here. So I would say that one of the, my favorite practices, you've probably talked about this before, but is breath work. Yeah. Breath work is just so dope. So I, I would say Google Wim Hof, Google um, transformational breath work or any style of breath work. Um, I have a couple of meditations on my website, like they're, they're breathing meditations. So you could do boxed breathing with me You've probably, you've, I'm sure you've done Brock's breathing. That's like, that's a Navy SEAL tactic actually, right? Um, where you're controlling your breath. Um, mm -hmm. I think what's so interesting about our breath is that we're naturally doing it all the time. Like I'm mm -hmm. doing it right now as I'm talking. I just caught myself take a big deep breath before I started mm -hmm. my next sentence. You know, I'm noticing yeah. you and I are like kind of sighing once in a while. Like, like, oh, wow. Like, you know, we, we have emotional reactions and every emotion is tied to a breath pattern. And what's so cool about breath work is that you can actually, you can tap into what you're currently experiencing. You can also shift your biology and physiology and mentality through breath work, mm -hmm. which is epic. And you can also get into a meditated state really quick with just a few deep breaths. Like it can take less than a minute to get there. So I think breath work is, you know, it's, it's kind of been building up a lot of craze and I, I jump on it because it's not going away. Breath work has been around for like since the beginning of religion, since the beginning of time, yeah. it's always been around. Um, so leverage it. Um, our breath is always with us and it's a tool to tap in and to regulate. So I would say breath is number one. Um, what else? I think, I think most, a lot of beginners that, that come to me or, or listen to these sorts of podcasts, a lot of guys, their main emotion is that they express most easily is anger, you mm -hmm. know? And that was me, you know, I was angry at, you know, as I started learning about some of my conditioning or the way that certain things worked, or I kind of finally got some freedom in my life and I realized, oh, I had all this control in my past. 
I, I was angry, you know? Yeah. And I think that, you know, you can only push that away for so long. And I think some anger release practices are really helpful. And it's a really safe way to access your anger and see what it actually has to say. Just like you said, our bodies and our emotions have information to give us. And by suppressing it, pretending that the anger isn't there, we're losing so much information, so much mm -hmm. information. And what I would have a man do is like, have an anger practice, like do boxing or do something physical, right? Like maybe it's running for you or it's lifting weights or it's literally like sometimes I have this like a uh, rock climbing pad that I, that I use, that I, I take in my garage, I put on some music, I lay this pad down on the ground and I'll punch that thing. I'll, I'll take like t 12 rounds punching this thing and then kicking this thing. That's my anger ceremony. Yeah. You know, I will let yeah. out like full send kind of like effort on this thing. Mm. And I, I do that once, I do that like once a month. That's just like a cleansing kind of process for me to really uncover any anger that's stagnant in my system and see what it has to say. Cause usually that anger has more to do with the other five emotions or the other four emotions than it does with anger. Mm -hmm. Usually, you know, most guys aren't usually emotionally aware enough to even like notice this, just like I wasn't, I wasn't emotionally aware enough to realize I had shame in my life or I had like a sense mm -hmm. of guilt, like sense of regret, same thing. Yeah. Or a sense of sadness that was being projected on as anger. You know, like mm -hmm. I'm upset with the situation or I'm, I am hurt by you, my friend. Therefore, I'm going to take out my anger on you, friend. Right. Yeah. Guys have relationships like that. Right. People we love the most often get the brunt of our anger. Um, so as you as you peel back the onion of anger, I think anger is a really beautiful teacher. And so I think having some sort of process around that, some way to release that and engage with your anger to dance with it. I think is really important. So I would say breath and then some anger practices. Yeah. I love that, man. And yeah, anger is a, it's tied to so many underlying things. It typically angers the response to an emotion that is being driven by a certain scenario, such as shame or guilt. And a lot of times that's where anger yeah. comes from. And cause we're either angry, we become angry at ourselves for putting ourselves in that position yeah. or we're angry at, um, what took place and us not standing up for ourselves. It's so many different things. So I love that you actually went there with that one. I love that you actually gave a practice that you use. I think it's important to realize that when we have people on the show and even myself, when we talk about shit, it's not about stuff we don't use. It's not about stuff we don't apply in our lives. And so I think it's important that everybody got to hear you talk about how you use like that bag and how you use that as your release, you know, once a month or, however often somebody needs to do it, but it's, it's constantly a clearing process. And that was beautifully said. So awesome, brother. Thank you for that. Well, as we're winding down here, man, I, I am truly appreciative of you being on the show and I want to share with everybody where they can find you, how they can support you and what do you have going on right now that they can tap into? Oh, awesome, Johnny. Thanks so much, man. This has been an awesome conversation. Um, and I love, I love your questions too. I love that I'm, you're actually helping me boil down some of the most important things. I'm so glad I was able to share those two things that I do use. I mm -hmm. use breath work every morning. Um, I want to actually talk up my friends at our breath collective. 
They're mm-hmm. my breathwork subscription that I subscribe to, and I join them every morning at 6 a.m. Um, so check them out, ourbreathcollective.com. And I'm supposed to be shouting myself out right now, but I'm going to shout them out. Um, and you can use my code, actually. Um, it's Q Williams to get, I think, $10 off your first month um, of the subscription. Check it out. It Every morning, you, it's like 15 minutes of breath work led live in a community environment is so dope. What's the, um, what's the website again? I'll, I'm going to, so I can uh, plug it into yeah, the show it's, notes. It's ourbreathcollective.com. And the cool. discount code is Q Williams. One more. Cool. Yep. We'll get that in the show notes. Yeah. And, you know, t- to build on that, um, if there's guys listening right now, like um, soon I'll have a podcast. Uh, I've been dragging my feet on that for forever. Um, but right now, if you want to just access stuff, some of the stuff that I do, I, I push out tons of free stuff uh, through Instagram. So check me out there. Um, Q Williams double underscore. Um, I also have an awesome quiz. That is really cool. Um, so if you go to my website or just in, in the link in my bio, if you're an athlete or if you're you're um, you played sports just growing up, you want to understand how your sports identity, how you showed up as a leader on the field um, or on the court, how you can take that and apply it to your everyday life and build off of that. Because I really believe that everyone can lead, whether you're the offensive lineman, whether you're the, the kicker or the quarterback. You can lead from any position on the field, just as you know, right? Um, and so how can you activate that in your real life and really show up as the biggest leader? Um, take my quiz. It's on my website. Um, just go to athletearchetype.com. That's mm. that's where you can find it, athletearchetype.com. Um, and then I have some programs coming up. I have I have one-on-one coaching. I, I have a couple spots right now open for that. Um, but then I also have a group program that I run every six months called Wheelhouse. And that is for men that are retired athletes. We go into um, a lot of the lessons we talked about today, but we, we deepen a little bit more. We meet weekly or bi-weekly as a group. We get together in these huddles. We have a retreat at the end. It's kind of like the ultimate experience um, for a guy after sport to connect with their, their teammates again, really, that, that camaraderie. So it's a group of guys that put in this kind of work together in a group environment. And um, yeah, celebrate each other, hold each other accountable, um, just like they would, you know, as, as part of a team. I love that, brother. This is so amazing. And everybody out there needs to be following Q. Uh, such an amazing human being. And really, dude, I can see the passion in you. And I can see the dedication you have to truly helping people out there, helping athletes, but helping just people in general find that whatever it is that can get them in balance with enjoying this life again. Right. Cause I think we get, we get so far away from that, from all the things in life that it, it is back to just figuring out how to enjoy it. So I appreciate you brother. Yeah. Thank you for showing up the way that you do. Thank you for being part of this podcast and to everybody listening as always remember to drop the ego and stay humble until next time guys. guys if you liked today's episode then please head over to apple itunes and leave a five-star review some of your most impactful moments that you heard on the show today it'll only take about 60 to 90 seconds to do but those seconds are priceless in helping promote the message here at the art of masculinity and i will be forever grateful i appreciate all of you guys joining in the art of masculinity community and as always drop the ego and stay humble